Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Vestal. My name is Jeff. I'm so glad that we're, you're here today with me, and I'm so glad that we get to worship together. Um, I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. If you haven't been to Bridgewater Vestal in about eight or ten months, then you don't know who I am. I spent about 20 years in this building uh, when it was Ross Corners Baptist Church with my family. And uh, so coming back to Vestal is always like coming back to home. We were here when we transitioned over to uh, Bridgewater. And about five years ago, they moved me to Conklin to uh, serve out in Conklin. So, but it's good to be home. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. If you have a hard copy of God's Word you, or you need a hard copy, we have Bibles in the back there in the cafe area, in the foyer. Or if you have an electronic device, you can bring that up on the Version app. Bridgewater has an app that we love to talk about and share. So uh, whatever you have to use, you can. And also, all the uh, passages will be on the screen here this morning as we get started. If this is your first time here, we are in week three of the, uh, of the series, Unoffendable. And this is week three of that. And uh, here's, here's the question I want to pose and start with today. Is it even possible to be unoffendable? Is it possible in this world that we live in to be unoffendable? I mean, sure, people get offended when they, when they truly get hurt, right? Someone says something and they truly are hurt. But in our day and age, people get offended because someone disagrees with them. People get offended because someone writes something on social media and they don't, they don't, give it, they don't get enough likes. Or uh, they say something that they, that they disagree with. In the past couple of years, you turn on the national news and you'll see people peacefully protesting by burning down buildings and stealing flat screens because of a decision that came down that they like, I don't agree with that decision. And I think to myself, seriously, is that the world that we live in where people get offended at something like that? I suspect that there are people in this room because I'm in this room and I've been offended by things like that as well. So here's my question. Is being offended the best response when we have situations like that. Is that what Jesus called his disciples to be, is to be offended by the slightest things that happens to them? See, I would say that it all boils down to our choices. And that's been the main theme for the past couple of weeks, the first two weeks of this series, choices. We have a choice whether or not we can be offended. We can choose to be offended over some of these things, or we can choose to look and act more like Jesus. We can choose to be unoffended. Now, before I go any further, I want to talk about the proverbial proverbial elephant in the room. Okay? Because when I walked up here, people were snickering and laughing and pointing. And I'm thinking, is there something in my teeth? Is my hair messed up? Um, (laughs) See, there you go again. (laughs) Are my jeans on backwards? What, What are people laughing at? Oh, it's this thing on my shoulders. Oh, okay. Well, if this is your first time here, I have to say you have to thank Pastor Aaron for it because today's his birthday, and I promised him that I'd wear this silly thing on my back for his birthday today as part of our our message. And by the way, if you're wondering, Pastor Aaron and his family are preaching in Montrose. He didn't take the day off and and stick me with you guys. Uh, He's preaching in Montrose, so uh, he already preached once. He's going to be preaching again. So he's there on his birthday, but uh, you're looking at this thing behind me on my shoulders. Well, pretend that this is my ego, okay? How often does our ego follow us 
and it's so over-inflamed and so huge and out of control, we don't even realize it. When I walked up the aisle, I was bumping into people, and, and guess what? They were bumping into my ego. And my ego tends, when people bump into it, they tend, my ego tends to get hurt and it gets bruised. You know what happens when my ego gets bruised? I get offended. So let's try and get rid of this big thing so we can control it. And pretty soon, when it bumps into people, like they said, I, I tend to get offended when we get bruised. Well, I'm going to take this thing off because it is highly annoying. And we'll refer to it, we'll refer to it often throughout the morning. But uh, just think of that as that is our ego. Whoops, I'm going to get things straightened up here. Okay, here we go. Back, perfect. So let me, let me explain it to you in a different way, okay? Think about your thumbs. How often do you think about your thumbs? Seriously, how often do you think about your thumbs? When you got up this morning and made your coffee, you had cereal, you buttoned your shirts and tied your shoes, or you got your grandson or your, yourself dressed, and you used your thumbs. How often do you think about your thumbs? I mean, think about the guys on the platform here that are playing the guitars. By the way, isn't it great to have Cole here when Isaac's away? Thank you, Cole. One of the things I, we like to say is we're better together, and, and that's one of the, the awesome things is, is when one of someone's away on one of the campuses, someone else can, can jump in and help. I've known Joel's, or Cole's dad for quite a while, and I just want to share one little story. Sorry, Cole. Um, when Josh and I were serving, when he was serving at a church in New York and we were having an event up there, I spent the night at their house, and Cole and his sisters were much younger, and I have a nickname. My nickname is Shrek. And um, I heard the door open, and a little voice said, why do they call him Shrek, Daddy? And his, his dad probably could have said, well, because he's a mean green ogre. But no, uh, when the kids walked around the corner, they were looking at me with white eyes and that, things like that. But anyway, it sure is good to have Cole with us here today. But th think about the guys on the platform and the ladies playing their instruments. How often do they think about their thumbs? Probably not very often, but they're up, here, they're up there playing guitars and the keyboard and the drums and the saxophone. But I tell you what, you hit that thumb with a hammer or you cut it with a knife or get a sliver in or slam it in a door. How much do you think about your thumb then? Yeah, it dominates your life, right? Everything we do when our thumb is hurt is designed to keep that thumb from getting hurt any worse. Think about uh, these guys. How could they play the guitar with one of their thumbs is hurt? You can't button your shirt or brush your teeth or do anything like that thing. Tim Keller ties this all together, uh, our consequences and our physical pain with being offended with this quote right here. He says this. This is, how precisely, this is precisely how the human ego works. It hurts when it's inflamed. Okay, You don't think about your thumbs until it gets hurt. We don't think about our ego until it's big and out of control and gets hurt. It, it hurts when it's inflamed. Sure, it's always there. Everyone's got an ego, but when it's oversized, it's constantly being injured or threatened. When it's all about me, I'm constantly aware of myself, bracing myself for ego injury. How often do you have ego injury? See, when our ego is oversized and hurt, we're constantly, constantly aware of it. Check out this quote as well. This says it even differently. Go ahead. Often the major reason I am so easily offended is that my ego is more in charge than I want to admit. My ego is more in charge than I want to admit. You know something? When I get cut off in traffic, I'm calm and collected. 
No, my ego bumps up and I'm just like, don't you really, you could have waited three seconds for me to go by. Why did you have to cut me off? Or, or maybe you get passed over at work for a promotion that you should have got. And you say to yourself, I work so hard and I'm better at it than that person. Why did, they, why did they pass me over? And your ego is inflamed. Or your kids or your spouse takes, takes you for granted. And when our ego is inflamed and out of control and big like that blue blueberry there, it, the list can go on and on and on. Now let me tell you something to be completely open and transparent with you. There was a time in my life where my ego was like this constantly. And I was having many, many discussions with people about how wrong they were and how much they hurt my ego. And I, and, um, I had, did I say it was many? I had many discussions. And to be honest with you, I still visit that area once in a while. I still have those discussions and I, my ego still gets inflamed. But it's through God's grace and his teaching me that I now have a different and hopefully a better point of view. In spending time in Canada, uh, on wilderness trips and learning from a couple men up there has really helped me overcome some of these things. Those wilderness trips were very, very pivotal and important in my lives. But let me just say this, oh, by the way, that all those, all those arguments and conversations I had, I won every single one of them. And they were one-sided and they were in my head. So I did win every single one because I was talking to myself. But now I want to make the connection about our ego being inflamed and why, it's, why I believe it, it deals with our choices. We have the choice to be offended or not. If our ego, or if our balloon, is constantly being hurt and offended and angry, what do we normally do? We normally say, well, if they, and how come she didn't, and why did he, and why didn't he, and what are we doing? We're casting the blame outward. We're looking out there, and they're saying, and placing the blame on somebody else, right? We place the blame on somebody else, but I want to read you a quote off the screen here from Brent Hansen, and this makes the connection between us being hurt and our, and our choices. If you're constantly being hurt, offended, or angered, okay, if you're constantly being hurt, if your ego is inflamed like this, then consider this. You should honestly evaluate your inflamed ego. When it, where you're humble, you're not constantly thinking about how do I look or how do I success or what do they do or what are they thinking about me. You're not, when you're humble, when we're humble, we're not constantly thinking, well, it's the other person. The other person needs to change their thoughts. This is a, a quote by Brent Hansen. So what do we do? What do we do when we realize, hey, my ego is the thing that's hurt. My ego is the thing that's out of control. It's my ego, and I need to stop thinking about people offending me and start taking on some responsibilities of myself. What do we do if that sounds like you and you realize that your ego is the problem? What's your next step? Well, I have three things for you to consider. First of all, praise God. Humility is the first step. You realize there's a problem and you want to make a change. So number one, humility is the first step and it's awesome. Number two, know this. God delights in using humble people. God delights in doing marvelous things with people who, who are humble and want to make a change in their life. And number three, ask yourself this question. When I've been offended, what's really been hurt? Has it been me that's been hurt or has it been my ego? See, I believe we have a choice to either, to, to either be offended or not offended. Is it me or is it my ego? See, that's where the choices come into play. 
And to be honest, I think we can choose to say no to ego and yes to humility. No to self and yes to others. There's that acronym, joy, Jesus, others, and you. That's so simple and it's so old. It's even older than Randy Hessler. But it's really old and it really works. Got you, Randy. Um, But oh man, is that hard. Is it hard to put others in front of ourselves? Now, I've been transparent with you this morning, and I just want to say that I still visit that neighborhood once in a while. I still fight those battles where I have those arguments in my head with those people because my ego still gets like this thing. It still gets inflamed once in a while. I'm still a selfish man. Just ask my wife, Wendy. No, on second thought, don't bother her. Just trust me. (laughs) I'm a selfish guy. But as believers, we are called to kill and fight against our egos. That's what God calls us to do. We're called to cultivate humility and to kill our egos. We're called to set aside selfishness. And today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus, he was a very prideful man. Matter of fact, in some of the passages of the Scripture, he talks about, I'm a Jew and I'm a Pharisee and I was taught by some of the best teachers of my day and my time. And he was a very proudful man and all, it was all about him. He talked about his accomplishments and his performances. But then he encountered God one day on the road to Damascus. And God changed his heart, and he realized that that was not the way to go. And in fact, we're going to unpack a passage of Scripture in Philippians that's probably one of the most well-known charges of believers when it comes to humility. That's the subject of dying to our ego. So I want to get started before we jump into the passage. I want to get started with a working definition of humility. Here's what C.S. Lewis says humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not putting yourself down. It's thinking of yourself less. So don't put yourself down. Just don't think of yourself as often as we normally do. Another definition that I like is this one. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in the light of God's holiness in our sinlessness. Next slide says, honestly assessing yourself in light of God's holiness. You know what this means right here? It's not comparing ourselves to the other person. How easy is it for us to say, well, at least I didn't. I'm not like them. I didn't do that. Or did you see what they did? That's what this means. It's, it's honestly assessing ourselves to God and his holiness, not comparing ourselves to the other person that we think has hurt us. And I tell you what, it is so easy to compare ourselves to the person that we think hurt us. Here's the reality. We are way smaller and more messed up than we really want to admit. And yet... We still think about ourselves all the time. That's the main thing we think about. I think, well, for me it is. But uh, So no wonder we're offended so much because we're thinking about ourselves all the time. So what does the Bible teach about this? Well, it teaches us to be humble, teaches us to put the other person first, and to not take offense. So how do we get over this overinflated thing and not let it dominate our lives, not let it control our lives, not let it control me? How do we choose humility over selfishness? Well, I'm going to show you three ways this morning from the Bible that teaches us to choose humility over ego, choose humility over selflessness. You should already be in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, Therefore, Let's stop right there. You see, I got the therefore highlighted in red. When you see the word therefore in a passage of Scripture, you 
they say, what's the therefore, therefore? So here's the deal. Everything that's written after the word therefore was put there because of something Paul wrote before. So Paul wrote something in, first, in Philippians chapter 1 that we're going to talk about and deal with in Philippians chapter 2. So we're going to go back. So go back in your Bibles if you want to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. And here it is on the screen. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. Paul is in prison. This is one of the prison epistles. And he's writing a letter and he's saying, guys, something's... Trouble's coming. You're going to get persecuted. Just know that that's going to happen. Whatever happens, no matter what kind of persecution, no matter how offended you may get, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, next verse says, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul says people are going to oppose you. People are going to offend you. People are going to hurt your egos. Don't be frightened. Things are going to happen. It, just know that it's going to happen. Okay, now back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, so now we know why the therefore is therefore. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, verse 2, then... So I want you to notice the if-then statements, if, 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 then. So now we're to the end, to the then. Then make my joy complete by four things. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Now I've highlighted those four things because they refer to one person. Who do you think that is? That's Jesus. So when you get confronted, just know if this happens, if this happens, then... Trust in what you make my joy complete by being like-minded with Jesus, by having the same love as Jesus, being one in spirit with Jesus, and of one mind like Jesus. Then, this is where the rubber meets the road. Here are the instructions on how to choose humility over our ego, how to get over this overinflated thing. Verses 3 and 4. This is, this is how you first choose humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. There it is. That's the first step in, in choosing humility over ego. The first point is this. Be unoffendable by thinking of others. Next slide says this. We cannot be like Jesus if we are constantly thinking of ourselves. Be unoffendable by thinking of others. See, the easiest thing for us to do is live like we're the center of the universe, like everything revolves around us. I have a two-year-old grandson who lives in my house, and guess what? Everything does revolve around him. But I'm not too, okay? And everything should not revolve around me. See, most often, what, this is what we hear in our world. What do you want, and how can I help you? The phrases so commonly we hear out there is, you do you, and you do what makes you happy. That's all about pointing inward, pointing inward, pointing inward. All focused on me, on you, on ourself. I like how the NLT puts these verses. Check this out here on the screen. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. 
but take an interest in others too. See, Jesus calls his disciples, his followers, to a completely different approach than being inward. And that approach is way different and way counterintuitive to what is natural for us as humans. Paul is saying, stop thinking of only ourselves. Stop trying to get what only you want and stop trying to impress others. And that's hard. That's hard to do. I understand that. See, when we're offended and when we're hurt by someone, all we can think about is letting them know just how much they hurt us. That's what we want to do. They need to know just how wrong they were. So what do we do? Well, we get up in our car and we drive as close to that bumper in front of us as our wives will let us, right? And then we flash our lights at them and we give them some hand signals and we let them know. And Yeah, we, yeah, we do some pretty stupid things. Or... If it's at the house or at the job, we give them the silent treatment. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I want them to know just how much they hurt me. And that enormous ego, the one that I cannot see or I simply ignore, is hurt. And that's the choice we make to, to let that do to us. Can we, so you want to change the, the scenario? You want to change it to be unoffendable? Start by thinking of and putting others in front of you. Start by thinking of others first. Look at this passage again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others. Let's just leave it right there. Think of others. Think of others as better than you. Think of others and their, uh, their interests and all those types of things. And you know what I want to do now? When you do that, oh, great. This, this ego gets a little smaller. When you put others first, your ego... It gets a little smaller. Oh, this feels really good. Okay, that's enough for now. Let's mirror out, let's mirror out of that ego. Let's, move, let's continue on to the next, to the next, in the text. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Verse 6. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The second thing we're talking about today is this, be unoffendable by being a servant. You cannot be like Jesus without being a servant. Let's go back to uh, verse 7. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What the author is saying is this, if you want to be more like Jesus, I'm going to have to take the form of a servant. I'm going to have to stop serving myself, giving up whatever I have for the advantages of others. If you want to be more like Jesus, find somebody to serve. Now this flies completely against what our culture calls for. Our culture calls for and says the culmination of achievement is being in the place where everybody serves me and does exactly for me what I want them to do. They make sure that I have what I want. And that's completely opposite of what God calls us to be, of what Jesus did. Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. God became man. The individual, the God, Jesus, who created me, who created all of us, who gave us breath, came down, set aside several of his attributes, and served his creation. Who does that? Who does that? 
He, he came down so that he could show us the way to a good, healthy relationship is completely being a servant. It's completely counterintuitive and upside down to what our world says. You know, when I make a trip back in my mind to that neighborhood and I begin having those same conversations and my ego is huge and out of control and overinflated, you know what I need to do? I know that it's time for me to find someone to serve. It's time for me to put someone else's needs in front of my own. So I'll go find a veteran and I'll go mow his grass or build a ramp for him or do something like that. Maybe that's the best thing that you should think about. When your ego is overinflated and you're considering everything about you, it's, fine. it's time to find somebody to serve. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parents or your boss. For me, serving is the pathway to dying to my ego, embracing humility, and living an unoffendable life. Consider this. What might happen if we decide to serve the individuals in our lives that offend us. Instead of talking about them behind our backs, instead of gathering a crowd of people and saying, you, they did and this and they did and you don't know and they were wrong, what if we served them instead? And it's not for the purpose of, I'm going to show them. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to show them because I want them to know. No, for the purpose of changing me. The purpose of, Lord, show me, change me, change my heart. And continuing, this is going on its own, releasing some of the air out of that overinflated ego. So we have the first way to be unoffended is to be more humble. The second way to be unoffended is to be a servant. The third way to be unoffendable is this. Be unoffendable by submissive sacrifice. You cannot be like Jesus without submissive sacrifice. Let's get back to the text, verse 8. In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus was the only one who could have come to earth and had any reason to boast and say, serve me. He was the only one. The only one who could have stood up and shown up and said, give me everything that I want. But instead, he humbled himself. He sacrificed. He lived the life that I should be living, and he died the death that we all deserve. All in responses to my choice to let my ego be offended and choose to be offended and not be humbled and serve people. Jesus refused to be offended, and he sacrificed himself. He humbled himself and died. And yet when I get offended, how many times did Jesus get offended? And yet he died. And when I get offended, what do we want to do? I want to get them back. I want to make them know how much they hurt me. Sound familiar? Have you been wronged and hurt and mistreated? Of course, we've all been hurt. We've all been mistreated. But what benefit does it have for us to stay offended? Consider the good it will do if we choose to humble ourselves and sacrifice on behalf of our offender. Sacrifice on behalf of the one that hurt us. Now, I understand that there are situations where you've been hurt and offended um, where that's, that's not feasible. Like if, if there's mental or physical abuse or sexual abuse, you, you, you can't go back there and serve that person. I get that. But here's what I believe very firmly, that the vast majority of our hurts, the vast majority of our time that our ego's been inflamed and been hurt, is not like that. 
It's been when someone has said something or didn't say something, didn't, didn't like something we posted, or we disagree with something, we were treated in a way that hurt us, or someone did or didn't do. That's the majority of our times when our, our ego has been hurt and inflamed. What if, what if instead of letting them know how bad and how much they hurt us, that we submitted to the will of the Father? Look at what Jesus did. What if we submitted to the will of the Father and if we sacrificed for his glory and for the good of others and not for ourselves? Paul wrote a letter to 2 Corinthians and he kind of ties it all together here. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the Christ love compels us. We're going to come back to that word, compels us. Because we are convinced that the one who died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them or for us and was raised again. Compels urges, drives, pushes. The love of Christ should urge you, compel you, should drive you to do these things. That's what the love of Christ does for us, to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him. So friends, we have some work to do. I have some work to do. We weren't saved to just sit, sit down on our butts and do nothing. We weren't saved for ourselves, but to be a part of God's work in impacting others. That's why around here at Bridgewater, you walk in on the other wall of that foyer, you see these big signs. And one of them says this, saved people, served people. And found people, find people. That's why we have those out there. That's, that's our mantra. So how do we do what we've been instructed to do? How do we live a life that's humbled, servanthood, and sacrifice? What does this new life look like? How can, we, how can we be more like Jesus in humility and servanthood and sacrifice? Well, I'm going to share three ways in each one of those ways. First of all, in humility. When it comes to our relationships with our marriages and, and the people we're dating or whatever, be quick to admit you're wrong. Be quick to admit you're wrong. Be quick that you made a mistake. That I was wrong. You were right. You know something? You're right. Thank you for telling me. When it's at a work situation, don't blame shift. Don't, don't say, well, they did and they did. Don't, don't blame shift. Be humble. When it comes to serving and servanthood, ask your spouse what needs to be done and then do it. Guys, if your wife cleans the bathroom, clean the bathroom for her. Ladies, if your husband cleans the bathroom, clean the bathroom for him. Be humble. Or wash his truck or his motorcycle or whatever. Do something for your spouse that you don't normally do. Ask your boss what you can do to best help him. Look for ways to serve people that you're struggling with. Servanthood. And number three, finally, before we pray, give up your Sunday afternoon nap <laughs> to help somebody. Give up your Sunday afternoon nap to help your wife. To help, or give up your Sunday afternoon nap to help your husband or to help your neighbor. Offer your boss to work on Saturday for a couple hours to make sure the project gets done that didn't get done during the week. Look for ways to praise somebody. Sacrifice. Be humble. Be a servant and sacrifice. See, maybe the reason we're being offended is because we're serving the wrong master. Next slide. We can choose to say no to our ego and yes to humility. Last slide is this. Look for the example of Jesus. 
no one has ever given up more to serve a more ungrateful and unworthy people than Jesus has. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this passage of scripture that we've unpacked today. Thank you for the example of your son, Jesus Christ, and how he gave up so much for us. He came to the earth and humbly set aside so many things so that he could serve us. I thank you, Father, that uh, I can follow that example. I pray for my friends in this room, Father. I pray that you would allow us, you encourage us, you would help us to be humble, to be a servant, and to live in a way that ultimately sacrifices. Father, we praise you for that. We praise you for the things you're doing at this campus. And we give you all the praise and glory now in Jesus' name. Amen.